0: 100th episode of The Interface. I once again chat with Adam Norman, Amphenol's president and CEO. We talk about the recent corporate earnings call and how successfully exceeding expectations is a testament to our entire team around the world. We talk about the number of acquisitions Amphenol has made over the years and how their initial apprehension at buying into the Amphenol entrepreneurial culture quickly fades away. We talk about the lingering COVID 19 pandemic, its effect on the company people, our mental health, and how vaccines are the proven answer to stop the spread. And we talk about his Desert Island book, album, and Amphenolian-like movie selection. This is The Interface. Listen, let's, uh, let's make it happen here. All right, let's do it. So thank you, Adam, for agreeing to be the guest on the 100th episode of The Interface podcast. I can't believe you decided to do this. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Well... Chris, it's I. I can't believe that I rate to be guest number one hundred. I mean, there's only you know you only get one one hundredth episode of your podcast and you know, since you started this thing back in July, 2019, I almost feel like we should flip the tables and I should interview you. Like you're the star of this show as far as I'm concerned. So Chris, tell me a little bit about yourself. Why did you think to start the interface in July of 2019?
0: Oh, okay. You did catch me off guard with that. Um, Why did I decide to do it? A couple of reasons. One, as you know, I enjoy the communications piece of this business. I really like connecting with people. I like talking to people. I like learning their stories. I love podcasts. I love the, the medium of podcasts I have for probably 15 years now, shortly after it started to become popular. And I just love that there's infinite possibilities with podcasts. Having a bit of a radio background myself, um, both in the military and then just outside, you know, in, in Sydney, New York and other places, I just thought, geez, the, the cost of entry to this is pretty cheap. I think it'd be cool just to learn about people not to get technical and geeky with it. And, you know, tell me about your products and this and that, and the other thing. I love people's stories. I love, you know, shows like, um, you know, the old Anthony Bourdain show where it wasn't so much about food Absolutely. and about cooking. It was about learning about the people and the culture. And I kind of used that as a baseline for how could I do that for Amphenol? And you know not to pat myself on the back but as you know about this company the entrepreneurial spirit i just said hell with it i'm just going to do it and i'll figure it out as i go so we had some equipment you buy a couple mics by the way i just want to point out that i am now the proud owner of two Amphenol Australia Amphasound cables and connectors that they provided I to me. I see make. it. Yes, I
1: see it. Steve McIntyre would be very, very proud to see that connector on our Zoom screen. Yes, there. so
0: thank you to Stephen Richards from Amphenol Australia, who was on an Absolutely. episode a few weeks ago and he hooked me up and sent me these. So I feel complete now with this. <laughs> <laughs> it was just based on that and just started doing it. Um, did a couple, people seem to like it. Other people kind of made fun of me. But I thought, yeah, I think people might like this. And then it grew a little bit. And then once you were on early on, to be perfectly blunt, I think that validated the fact that this was a a thing that people should pay attention to. And it's been a wonderful experience. It may be, you know, one of, if not my favorite thing I do as part of the job. And I just just kind of made it up,
1: which is great. I mean, you know, I have to tell you the the the, the kind of, Initiative that you took to do this, just because it was something that you felt like doing and that you kind of enjoyed, that is just an Amphenolian through and through. I mean, we we talk about the fact that we are a culture of entrepreneurship and and we're a unique organization of people who just go out and make it happen. You know, don't always ask permission for everything, and you know, just react quickly to the moment and 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 turn on a dime and go make it happen. Uh, This, this podcast for me, your, your initiative to start it, how you let it evolve, how you intersected with the fact that we came into a pandemic where we couldn't be with each other. Mm -hmm. You didn't know there was a pandemic. I don't believe back in July, 2019, if you did, by the way, we're going to probably have to make a few phone calls here, (laughs) but, but the fact, the fact is you did this not because of the pandemic. But the reality is that once the pandemic started, and in particular, if I think back to, you know, March 13th, which was kind of the, the stay-at-home orders mm-hmm. started to come, in, at least in the United States and also in many parts of Western Europe, this became almost not a substitute, but a complement to our abilities to, to connect with each mm-hmm. other. And, and the way that you featured so many Amphenolians around the world telling their story. And you know some of them telling their story, by the way, about catching COVID. And some of right. them telling their story about designing a new product. And some of them telling their story about a transition that they went through, whatever. I, I just think it's been invaluable, Chris. And, and I, on behalf of our whole organization, want to really thank you. Because without you, Chris Capello, having taken that initiative, we would not have had a hundred episodes, which today makes up each and every one of them, a unique insight into a person in Amphenol, what makes them tick and collectively giving people a picture of what makes this organization so special. So I think, uh, you, you, Chris, deserve an enormous debt of gratitude from all of us around the company for that initiative. And, you know, I'm I'm humbled and proud to to get to say that I am guest number one hundred. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, thank you very much, and that that means a tremendous
0: amount to me. Um, like I said, without your early support of this, um, I don't know if it would have been quite as successful right away. But I, I appreciate that and. This is just the start. I'm sure there'll be another few hundred for sure. There's still, you know. There's over 80,000 employees. I've only gotten through 100. So there's, you know, 79,000, <laughs> 80, or there's, a- 85, So there's 84,900 people I still haven't talked to. So we got some time. We have some time. So for sure.
1: You're going to burn through some more of those connectors, I guess. Although these are pretty good ruggedized connectors. I guess they're going to last quite
0: a long time. They should. So, but thank you very much. And, and, and I, I enjoy it immensely, like I said. So, so we'll just get down to business now, right? We'll, we'll get into just the the episode itself. And we'll stick with recent history here as recent as yesterday as you hosted the q2 earnings call for amphenol corporation another uh, excellent earnings call Uh, in fact uh, up to 2.65 billion dollars in sales it was up 34 percent eps is up everything was above your q1 outlook and you also announced a new acquisition of unlimited services so just maybe give a a little bit of a broad spin, if you could, on the earnings call yesterday, and and just your general feelings about it.
1: Well, I would love to do that. And first and foremost, I just have to start by congratulating the whole Amphenol organization around the world because this was a fantastic quarter for the company. These were we set records in orders and sales and earnings per share. Um, our growth rates were were outstanding. Um, You mentioned, you know, we grew 34% in U.S. dollars, 22% organically in our sales. Our orders were actually up 58% on a year-over-year basis. Our earnings were up by 53%. Uh, We did announce the acquisition of Unlimited Services, a a fabulous company uh, based in Oconto, Wisconsin, cable assemblies for the industrial market. Uh, So so really just a a phenomenal uh, kind of across-the-board quarter for the company, and you know what 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 is not so obvious by just the headline numbers is this is not an easy quarter mm-hmm. there 's a lot of stuff going on in the world um, you You have unprecedented challenges in the supply chain you have you know almost unprecedented increases in the cost of some of the things that we have to buy and services that that we have to use. You have customers dealing with shortages that you can 't pick up the paper every day without hearing about a semiconductor shortage here right. or a Greater logistics challenge there. And, and what I think is just so rewarding to me and, and such a great confirmation of our, of our company and, and the culture of our company is that those entrepreneurs around Amphenol, those you know, close to 125 general managers around the world, um, each, each of whom every day have to make you know, dozens, if not hundreds of decisions, small and large about their business, they just made it happen. Uh, amidst all of those challenges. And, and I think that that is really to, to drive those results, which on paper by themselves look great, but understanding the context behind the results I think makes them all the more impressive, and and I'm just truly grateful to to everybody. You know, it's funny, Chris. This was my 59th earnings call <laughs> right. that we had yesterday, and we actually had a technical issue. Yes, during the call um, at the very end, and I, you know, to any of our analysts who happen to listen to this, I, I I deeply apologize. But the the conference call operator had a big snafu and their line basically went dead and created a busy signal. Luckily, we were about 67 minutes into the call, but I think there were one or two questions still in the queue. And and it just kind of ended abruptly. And I think maybe people thought that I just cut the call off because I didn't like the question. And in fact, the last question was a very nice question that that we had a nice uh, answer for. Um, But it was this technical error. And it took them actually seven minutes to re-engage the call, at which point there were no more questions. And I, I just wished everybody well. But I tell you, you know, 59 calls, I'd never had a technical issue before. And I certainly hope for the next 59, we never have another one like that. So my apologies. <laughs> to anybody who was listening and felt a little bit discombobulated by uh, by this very strange technical issue. And you know, I'm you know I understand it has to do with somebody who was working from home and there was some internet issues and all this kind of stuff. Who, who who knows? I mean, those that's the kind of stuff that has happened over the last year. And it's you know it's reflective of of the fact that a lot of unexpected things have come our way over the course of these hundred episodes that that you have recorded over the course of really the last eighteen months since the pandemic uh, really started in full force, uh, first in China and and then spreading around the world. And and through all of those unexpected things, Amphenolians just made it happen. And the second quarter of 2021 was just a a fabulous example of that. And I'm just uh, truly proud of our organization and grateful to our entire team around the world, all all 85,000 of them.
0: Well, congratulations again to you and the rest of the team. Uh, and I know you, you often speak about the importance of your general managers too and how vital they are uh, in the success of the corporation. Can you explain to people again, and I know you and I have talked about it, we might have even done it on a, on a previous episode, but the role of the general manager specific to Amphenol and what that means to you and to the corporation?
1: Yeah. So look, at the end of the day, Chris, the general manager is the nexus of everything that happens inside of Amphenol. Um, you know, we have 125 of them. I I remember when when I when I was a junior fellow in the company. I was a general manager. I think I was about 30, 31 years old, and I was I was running our organization in Shenzhen, China. It was a factory that made hard disk drive connectors, and uh, you know it was a small operation, 25 or so million dollars right. at the time, right. and it, it it grew quite a bit in year 2000. Um, and then in 2001, it shrank a lot, and and you know with the with the collapse of the internet bubble. And and I, I still remember to this day how challenging some of the decisions you have to make every day as a general manager. Like your orders dry up, and you have a certain number of people, and you don't have enough work for those people. You have to make really really tough decisions yeah. about you know reducing your resources in the company. I I, I will never forget. It was April 6th of 2000 uh, of year 2001 when I had to go into my company and say, look, we don't have enough work for all of you. And that's tough. That is a really, really tough thing. Um, I I had a deputy general manager, a gentleman who's still in the company by the name of Gary on. And, you know, Gary eventually become, became general manager of that, that operation. And today is one of our group general managers uh, running a very significant business, our commercial products group. And, you know, Gary and I would just look at each other like, you know, what are we going to do here? And, I'll never forget, we went to our engineers and said, look, you guys got to go get a new pair of shoes, get yourself a new briefcase, you're going to hit the road. And you got to go out there and find new business. Because we had a problem in that operation at the time, which is we had one big customer. Right, right. And when that customer had a problem, we had a really, really big problem. And so we swore to ourselves, we're going to go out there and diversify like crazy, get our engineers on the road, call on new customers, develop new products, do whatever it took to build a business that wasn't subject to that same degree of volatility. And and just every day you were making decisions as a, as a 31 year old general manager. And, you know, you hoped they were right and you'd have to look people in the eye and, and, and give them the confidence that the decisions you were making on their behalf were, were the right ones. And, and, you know, I think, you know, most of the time they were right, but once in a while they weren't. Right. And and you learn from those ones where you made the the maybe not the right judgment call in the moment. and And that's really the essence. You know, our general managers, they're in charge of everything mm-hmm. from selling the product, designing the product, conceiving of it. How do you market that product to customers? How do you make the product? Where do you procure the components? What do you buy and what do you make? Uh, Do you use more automation or manual labor? Do you make it in one country or the other, in one location or the other? Um, How do you collect the money for those products? How do you motivate and incent your sales team and the rest of your team to be successful? You know, it's everything that you do to run a business and that's all in Amphenol given into the hands of these men and women called general managers. And the net result of that is, is just an extraordinary result which is that they are able to adjust so rapidly to changes. And they're also able to adjust to new realities. So if they have a new competitor and they need to totally change how they're doing things in order to to perform better than that competitor, they can do it. They don't need to come to us at headquarters or to one of our groups. They can just go do it in the moment. And, And their ability to tailor every aspect of their business to maximize their chance of success in their given market, with their given set of customers, with their given set of products, that is a truly unique approach that I have not seen exist in any other company, let alone in our industry. That culture of entrepreneurship, in the context of Amphenol, it delivers to us really the best of both worlds. We're able to be nimble and reactive, like we were a small company, a small family-owned company. Yet we have the reach, the breadth, and the depth of resources of a global company. And when you combine those two together, it's a little bit like chocolate and peanut butter. It tastes pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and sure. and that's, uh, that's been really the recipe for our success over many, many years. And what, what I'm so proud of, actually, if I'm proud of one thing more than any other over my you know, nearly 13 years as CEO of this company, is that we have not only preserved that culture, but we have allowed that culture to flourish as the company has grown. Mm-hmm. And the scaling of that culture is something that people ask me many, many years ago, even when I first became CEO, like, oh, you know, that's a, that, that sounds like an interesting way to run a company, but there must be some limits to it. And I think what we've demonstrated is, not only are there not limits to it, but in fact, the culture allows you to grow faster. The right. culture allows you to scale itself so long as you make smart decisions around how you organize those things. Right. And, you know, we've been very nimble about our organization. We, we created groups of those general managers all the way back in 2003. Um, those groups expanded at one point to nine and now to seven and that report to me. And we've created even groups within those groups of really focused organizations where they're driving the execution and the discipline together with simulating the collaboration between the various operations. And and that evolution is an ongoing process that has ultimately served to enable the f- the flourishing of the culture, together with the scalability of that 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 organizational model, such that Amphenol has continued to outperform the industry for many years. And that's been you know more than two decades that we've been able to do that.
0: No, it's it's fantastic. And you know you talked a little bit earlier about you know being a a young GM when there was only a handful of GMS in the Amphenol Corporation at the time, and now there's. 125. I've had the, the great fortune doing this podcast now for 100 episodes to talk to many people that were part of the process of being acquired by Amphenol. And it's almost to a person that they talk about it with a... Uh, I ask them about their feelings at the time and then how those feelings invo- evolved uh, after having uh, spent some time with Amphenol. And universally, there's this certain level of apprehension. Like, I know they're telling me all of this, but I don't know if I really believe it. To slowly accepting <laughs> the fact that, wow, what they told us, you know, when they were courting us actually was the truth. Like, they're just going to let us do our thing because they trust us and they'll allow us, our entrepreneurial, our current entrepreneurial spirit to continue to flourish, but just with the backing of the Amphenol Corporation. It's been uncanny how many people I've talked to that have expressed that sentiment. So I guess my question for you is when you're going through that courting process, I mean, you don't need to get into specifics necessarily, but when you tell them that, do you feel that apprehension of them looking at you like, really, you really, are just going to kind of be mostly hands off. Is that really how it's going to be?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, Chris, it, it it is spot on how you just described it. There is a natural apprehension and, and that's because the vast, vast majority, and when I say vast majority, basically all but us one yeah, right. of, of large companies who make acquisitions, they just want to muck around with the businesses after they buy them. Uh, they, they pay, you know, maybe a really high price. Maybe they factor in this magical word called synergies, mm. which you hear lots of companies. You never hear me say the word synergy, except for in a very derogatory fashion. And and the reason I don't is because synergy is kind of a code word for, well, you know, if, if you have a, a, a purchaser and we have a purchaser, maybe we only need one and a half purchasers right. and we can get rid of half a person or something like that. It, it's this very sort of scientific, you know, theoretical approach that says, ultimately, I know how to run your business better than you know how to run your business. Right. That's what it says. We have a culture that is inherently based on trust of people i mean that's that's the thing you shouldn't forget about that entrepreneurial culture the root of it is that we trust people we trust that people when given the right tools and given the right set of authority are going to make generally really wise decisions primarily because they're closer to the issues right they know the people they know the customers they know the products Who am I sitting, you know, in Wallingford, Connecticut, surrounded by, you know, 65 or so people here in headquarters to know better than they? Right. Now, I may have a little bit of perspective because I've been doing this a little bit a while and I may see across the company things that they don't see. And I'll certainly be able to offer some of those perspectives. But at the end of the day, they know what they're doing. And so when you're talking to the owner, operator of a company that we would like to acquire, you're talking to someone who is the true expert of that company. Now maybe there are things that they can't do on their own. Maybe there are customers that just won't even take a meeting with them. Maybe there's maybe they have a desire to to set up a factory in a different region which they didn't have whatever the wherewithal the wherewithal to do on their own. Maybe there's some missing link technology that they would love to have uh, that could help them upgrade, you know, their product offering to customers. Those are all things that we can bring to them. But we can bring those to them without undermining their authority, rather by strengthening their authority. And so, for sure, when I talk to, to potential acquisitions and I tell them the story of Amphenol, do they believe it in the first meeting? I don't think so. Right. I, I think they probably don't. But after a while, and sometimes, well, one of our, by the way, one of our greatest uh, marketing tools and acquisitions is to have them talk to formally acquired companies. Right, right. So that they understand that what we say is actually what we do. And and I think your experience talking to some of these entrepreneurs after they've joined Amphenol it, it is exactly what I would expect them to say that, hey, you know, yeah, I doubted it a little bit because that's just not how companies operate. But sure enough, I came into Amphenol and found out that, indeed, I do get to keep making the decisions. I am still in charge of the business. I am still an entrepreneur the company is not imposing upon me all these processes and structures and and different approaches but i am getting value out of being part of amphenol right and right. that's the magic thing it, and and that's you know kind of our secret weapon in our acquisition approach is it's not that we just bring them in like a holding company and do nothing that 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 doesn't sound so great either we're not right. we're not a portfolio manager in the sense that some people would would say Rather, we bring them in, we introduce them to, to others around the company where we think there's a high likelihood that they could learn from each other and gain value from each other. We stimulate collaborative discussions, but then we let them go do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that approach has been very, very successful. If I, if I look over you know, the last decade, we've made you know, nearly 50 or more acquisitions, and our success rate in these acquisitions is extremely high. Right. Um, and I think one of the reasons is we don't muck around with the companies right. and create a bunch of unintended consequences and people leaving and the culture of those companies. We are a stronger company because of the strength of the culture of the companies that come in through acquisition. They Every day they make us even more entrepreneurial than we were before. And, and that's something I look forward to continuing to benefit from.
0: I'll shift gears a little bit now to this dark cloud that is still kind of lingering over not only Amphenol, but really just the world at large, business world, everyone. And that's COVID-19 and the continued repercussions of, of how this is evolving uh, over the last year and a half. Just, if you could, just give us your state of the state here, I guess, or state of the corporation with regards to where, you know, you see us with COVID-19 and, and any additional, you know, information that you think is relevant
1: Well, I'm glad you bring this up, Chris, because it's a really important topic. I mean, let me start first by saying how proud I am of our organization and how we were able to react, adapt, and and flourish amidst an unprecedented once-in-a-century pandemic. Um, And that is a testament to the entrepreneurial skills of our general managers around the world it's a testament to actually how our company came together during this pandemic and i give so much credit to our head of hr dave silverman um for for having spearheaded a degree of interaction on one topic that we have never had before right. and creating the frontline team that that you're a part of and and making sure that everybody was equipped to make good decisions and that when we had to take certain decisions on a global basis, we just did that. And that's not something we take lightly and whether that was requiring masks at a certain point in the in the pandemic, you know, creating just state-of-the-art, really state-of-the-art uh, uh, measures to protect our people, the wearables, um, the The tracking that we have done the the different measures that we took inside the factory, all with a very simple and singular focus, which was to protect the people to protect the people who could only do their jobs from our place of work, and that is our factory workers and you know, I mean you and I have talked about this in the past there is no group to whom i 'm more grateful than all of those amphenolians around the world who never worked a day. From home right because they couldn't yeah their job required them to be at our factories touching products adjusting machines setting things up doing all the stuff maintaining the machines cleaning our factories I mean the, the the janitorial staff around Amphenol should receive the Nobel Prize for how much work that they have done to keep our factories sanitary during during this during this terrible pandemic now uh, I think we've just done an incredible job. We've, we've seen over the course of the pandemic ebbs and flows mm-hmm. of the seriousness. You know, we, we had several months ago a real spike in cases in India that everybody saw around the world. And, you know, our team in India, that was a rough month or two for them. And, and I'm just so, so proud of, of how they were able to, to manage through really one of the worst outbreaks of, of the pandemic. And, you know, we tragically lost several Amphenolians in India during that time period. And, and that was a very, very tough time period. And I think we all felt like we were coming out of the pandemic at the time. And all of a sudden, here comes India with, with this outbreak. And, and, you know, from each of these outbreaks has emerged many times what's called a variant of the original coronavirus. And, you know, I think we all knew these variants were going to happen. There was originally what was called the England variant, right. which I think became Alpha, and all the way to the Indian variant, which became known as Delta. And I think the variants are all the way past Lambda and Mu now. You know, they're, they have all these Greek letters. And I think what is clear with the variant of the day, which is the Delta variant, is that, unfortunately, and, you know, it just is what it is, the Delta variant is just a much more dangerous version of the original coronavirus. Right. Um, you know, first and foremost, it's extraordinarily infectious. And, you know, I don't mean to be, you know, raising alarm bells about this, but I kind of do mean to be raising alarm bells. Like, this thing is more infectious than smallpox. Right. I mean, there was a case in Australia where they believed that it was transmitted through people passing each other on a sidewalk. Yeah. I mean, that that is extraordinarily <laughs> infectious. The second piece of Delta is that it appears to be a little bit more dangerous. Um, it leads to higher rates of fatalities and and other various consequences and side effects of COVID, including hospitalizations and 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 severe issues. And so the combination of its infectiousness as well as its danger means that we got to take this thing really seriously. Now, for many months, we have as as and I think many companies have we have been driving to get our people vaccinated. And the good news is that if you're vaccinated, there's a very very small chance even if you can contract and you know there are some what's called breakthrough cases of delta where it that we we have seen people test positive and that includes we've seen some of our employees test positive who were vaccinated. Right. But the chance of having a serious illness let alone a fatality are extremely small with the vaccination. The other thing about the vaccination is the more people that are vaccinated, the just less this virus is going to be running around the community. Right, right. Um, You know, I'm fortunate. I live in a state called Connecticut. And Connecticut was one of the best places on earth in terms of vaccinations. Um, You know, we, we have more than three quarters of our population or close to three quarters of our population fully vaccinated. And there were a few, there was a while where we were having like, you know, 20 cases a day of positive in, in the whole state of Connecticut with three and a half million people. Well, now, you know, that number is up to like 350, 400 a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's been new guidance coming out of the CDC about wearing masks indoors again um, in those areas where the, the cases per 100,000 ha- have grown. And we as a company are going to have to react and continue to follow our primary principle, which is we're going to do everything possible to protect our people. Right, right. I don't want our people falling victim to this dangerous virus, whether it's the Delta variant or the Epsilon variant or the Lambda or whatever it's going to be. Um, we need to protect our people. The starting point for that protection now, which is different than a year ago. Right. You know, a year ago, when we talked about protection, it was all about masks and, and sanitation and hand-washing and, and, you know, I mean, my God, how much alcohol did I put on my hands <laughs> right. over the course of a six-month period? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a scary amount is, is the amount. And and separation and plexiglass and staging shifts and working from home if possible. Those are all the things we did. We didn't have at the time this thing called a vaccine. Right, right, right. Now we have it. We have had it. I was vaccinated. You were vaccinated. A lot of people have been vaccinated, but not everybody. And at a time when we have the greatest protective measure, which is half a milliliter of a liquid, that is put into your arm, and then three weeks or four weeks later, another half a milliliter, which has been proven to be exceptionally safe. Like, like exceptional. I mean, they're more than, in our country alone, more than 350 million shots have been put in arms, and the rate of reactions to those shots has been almost infinitesimal. Right. There have been some, no doubt about it but there are reactions to lots of things. I mean, there are people who have anaphylactic shock from taking an Advil. And so that can happen with medication. But it's an extraordinarily low rate of of people having reactions. And then the second thing is the darn thing works. Yeah, Like it works really, really, really well, like shockingly well. I I encourage you to listen. There's a great podcast about the woman, Hungarian woman, who developed the mRNA technology. It's one woman. I mean, this woman, if she doesn't win the Nobel Prize, then they should just get rid of the whole concept of the Nobel Prize. This is not a new technology mRNA. Right. She started working on this when she was 20 years old, and she's close to 60 now. She's spent really three, four decades of her life focused on developing this concept of mRNA as a delivery mechanism for a vaccine. They have honed it, developed it, pro- proven it out, And it was just at the time back in March when they sequenced the original coronavirus that they were actually working at Pfizer. And this is a a woman who worked for BioNTech, a a wonderful German company. And they were about to develop a flu vaccine using MRNA and along came the pandemic and they quickly were able to sequence the gene, apply it to the MRNA technology, which is well-proven. And they had shots in arms in three weeks. And they worked and the people didn't get sick and the people didn't contract COVID. So, so this vaccine is a miracle. To me, it is a miracle drug, Chris. And I, 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 you know, I'm, I will say publicly, I'm not the most religious guy, but if I were going to believe in miracles, this would be it. Right. This is the miracle of our lifetime that this thing exists. And we need to do everything possible to facilitate to enable and to persuade our employees, their families, their friends to get vaccinated. Uh, we're going to do all the other things too, by the way. You know, so if we have to bring back masks in, in places where the virus, the Delta variant is, is, is spreading more fast, we'll do that. Right. If we have to stagger shifts, we'll do that. If we have to have some people work from home, we'll do that. Because I tell you, we're going to protect our people. That's it. Because by protecting our people, we have been able to protect the company. We have been able to continue to support our customers. We've been able to continue to drive the performance that we have. And we have been able to continue to provide livelihood to not just 85,000 employees around the world, but I would argue to, you know, at least half a million people who rely on those 85,000 people, let alone the millions of people in the communities, many of them small towns Mm -hmm. around the Mm -hmm. world, places like Sydney, New York um, where, where those communities rely on our company operating in order to have, to exist. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we have a lot on our shoulders here, the safety of our people, the, the safety and and the ready supply of our products to our customers, the vibrancy and the, the security of the families who rely on us, the communities, let alone, you know, our shareholders and other stakeholders. And so, yeah, people got to get vaccinated. And, you know, I'll, I'll I'll say here, you know, we haven't mandated it. Um, but there are companies just in the last 24 hours. You've seen Google and Facebook who have announced that they're going to mandate it uh, for, for their employees to come into the office. Uh, the the Veterans Administration, who you, I think, get to use. Right. Uh, I, I think you feel better about going to a VA hospital now because they're all going to be required to be vaccinated. Sure, sure. Um, and I mean, my goodness, we should protect our veterans and not have them have to go to a hospital where people aren't vaccinated. So, you know, we're going to be monitoring how the, the concept of mandates, the legality of it in certain jurisdictions um, how many companies are doing that. And, you know, look, I'll tell you, we're going to do whatever we have to do to protect our people.
0: It's a tough situation. It's something that's unprecedented, but as always, I'm sure Amphenol will find the the best solution for its people and for the corporation. So We'll shift away from work for a little bit here as we, as we start to get towards the end, right? <laughs> get out of the clouds right, now and get, in, get into the sunshine. When you're not working, whether it be Wallingford at home or from the road, lately, what have you been doing in your free time? What have you been enjoying? You know, Time to relax. What does Adam like to sit back and do or actively do?
1: Well, first of all, Adam likes to read. I've been reading a lot. I, you'll remember I was playing a little guitar during the pandemic. I have I to admit that, yeah. that I, ha, I have to admit that I haven't kept it up as well as I should oh, have. So okay. I'm my goal in the fall is to sort of pick that back up and make sure I haven't forgotten how to play "Stairway to Heaven" at a minimum. <laughs> um, but I, I've been reading a lot. Um, you know, I, I I will say that you know the last year in in the world has been a tricky year. It's not just the pandemic. I mean, a lot of stuff has been going on. And in, in particular, there was the whole George Floyd tragic events in Minneapolis and then the subsequent movement around racial, racial justice. And I, I've, I've tried to get a little smarter about this. I've read a few really great books about this that I, I can only encourage people to read. There's, there's an author named Isabella Wilkerson, um, Who is a, a famous Pulitzer Prize-winning yep. New York Times author, and she she wrote a book called *The Warmth of Other Suns* um, a long time ago, and then more recently she wrote a book called *Cast*, um, which compares the sort of the the, the situation of African Americans in the U.S. with actually the lower castes in India. Right, right. Um, that was a really eye-opening set of books to read because you know you the the ex- everybody goes through life with different experiences, and I think we're not always aware of, of the sort of history of how we got to where we are. And I'm a big fan of trying to understand how we got to where we are. And so I've been reading some, I, I've been reading a few books like that, um, which, which have been really eye-opening actually to me. Um, I've been spending a lot of time with my kids if I can, because they're getting older yeah. my daughter just graduated high school. Um, she's going to take a gap year and she wants to climb mountains. And that's <laughs> kind of funky. Yeah. and. Great. So we're we're helping her. Actually, my my wife and daughter are climbing Mount Rainier next week, which is uh, pretty exciting. Uh, Great, uh, that that's going to be something else. Um, yeah, and and trying to just reconnect with with friends, um, who during the pandemic we didn't lose touch with each other, but we certainly lost physical contact sure. with each other. And I, I think it's really important. You know, as as a human, we're we're not meant to be solitary beings. No. And, you know, I think, Chris, it, it brings us back a little bit full circle to where we started the conversation, which is the 100th episode here of The Interface, because humans are just not meant to be solitary beings. Agreed. And, yeah. and if I think about, you know, one, one area that the pandemic has, has, has sort of laid bare, and I think the last week has, you've seen another really stark example of that cause I've been watching a lot of Olympics <laughs> yeah, and I love the Olympics yeah. and, and I watched, you know, Simone Biles, who is really one of the most just extraordinary athletes in, in the history of athletics, let alone in gymnastics. I mean, she, she's a truly marvelous marvelous person yeah. in, in that respect and how she basically has publicly acknowledged that her mental health does not allow her to to perform at the level that she needs to for the Olympic. And she just walked off the, walked off the floor. I watched it live. It was unbelievable. Right. And you look at like a Naomi Osaka, who, who did the same thing in women's tennis. These are people at the highest levels. And, you know, I have seen over the course of the pandemic and both you know personally and professionally, a lot of people suffering with with mental health. And I think one of the reasons is because humans are not meant to be solitary beings.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: And, and so I, I, I think if we can take one thing out of this pandemic that can be valuable for everybody till time immemorial, it's that mental health should sit at the same level as physical health. Yes, That it should not be a, a thing of shame to feel depression, to feel anxiety, to feel like the walls are closing in around you that is the same as breaking your ankle. It's the same as, as having, you know, a heart condition. It's the same as, as, as having, you know, some sort of, some sort of musculoskeletal problem that you have or, or something in your GI system or whatever, it's your mental health system. And, and I think that watching these two young women over the last, you know, few weeks, seeing how there are people within our company and people that I know personally who have suffered through mental health, it it tells me that, you know, we need to normalize this and we need to address it. And one of the ways to address it is to not have people be solitary. And and so, you know, as I think about a hundred episodes of the interface, how you have given people insights into other individuals so that they can feel a true connection to them. I think you're doing a great service, a really great service. And, and, and I just hope that, that we as a society, and we certainly as a company will do so, but we as a society should turn our attention a lot that, that this physical health pandemic has laid bare a mental health crisis. And we all need to take responsibility and recognize that. And I think you've done an amazing part of that here with Interface. And and I appreciate it, Chris.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, Adam. Now, can I ask you one final question? You can. This, in an awkward way, kind of segues to a a segment (laughs) I've been doing over the past few months. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but um, just to get to a, a fun way to get to know people as we wrap up these episodes. So I've been asking people. Now I'm going from you want to be around people to being by yourself. If I <laughs> okay. stay- oh, is this the, are we doing the desert island We're doing island the thing? desert island.
1: Oh, my God. I've, I have been personally offended that you have never asked me the desert island
0: thing. Well, here's our chance on the, ep- on the 100th right. episode. So here it is. You're stuck in a desert island by yourself. But I yep. allow you to bring one book, one album, and one movie. So you talked about reading. So which book would you start with? Or what? which book oh. would you bring? These are tough. This is hard to pick just yeah. one of each. All right.
1: So one book that I would bring would be The Great Gatsby. And, and I say The Great Gatsby because The Great Gatsby, to me, is the best book ever written about the concept of dreaming hmm. and aspirations. And even if many people view it as a tragedy because he doesn't get the girl <laughs> in the end, the, there is a line at the end, which is Gatsby believed in that green light, that orgiastic future that recedes before us all. So we beat on boats against the current born back ceaselessly into the past. And that is all about like that green light is always going to be there and you should keep going for yeah. it, no matter what comes in front of you. And, and it's just the greatest.
0: And it's short, too. So you could read it over and over and over
1: again. I mean, I, I've read it like 25 times. <laughs> <laughs> How about an album? Um, I, it's, that's a hard one. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm probably not going to be the only one who's going to say this album, but I'm going to go with the Joshua tree by U two. No, you're the first. Um, I mean, I think it's the perfect album. I think U two is probably the best band in my lifetime. I had the good fortune before the pandemic to go see them perform in Dublin. Wow. The Joshua tree on the anniversary of it. Um, I grew up with you too. The album, what's great about it is it has a flow to it. Yes, agreed. so it's not just a collection of great songs, but it actually makes sense throughout the the cadence, the stories. The it's just an extraordinary album, and each member of the band has a feature through it. And, and and I really like that. Yeah. No, uh, I and I, I love that it's a small band, you know, just four guys on a stage and and they make music that sounds like it's an orchestra. Yeah,
0: one of my all-time favorite albums as well. It's largely influenced by people coming to America and really experiencing yeah, it absolutely. for the first time. Um you have That's two it. great producers and Daniel Len and Brian Eno, who, you know, really create that sound. Love it. Love yeah. it. So I'm a yeah. huge fan. As I'm well. with you. I'm with you. How about a movie? Now so, you want... so we'll end with a movie. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Okay. I'm going to, the movie for me, I'm, I'm not going to pick a classic, but I'm going to pick what today stands as probably my favorite movie. And it's the Martian. Okay. And the reason I love the Martian and I, I literally will watch it anytime it's on an airplane, I will just watch that movie. So I've now seen it, I guess, 40 times. Because I fly a lot, yeah, and I'll put it. I, I like when I'm on airplanes. I like to work and watch movies I've seen before, because then I can sort of work a little bit better. Yeah. and now literally I just watch The Martian, so I'll just watch it over and over again. And and what I love about that movie is really two things. Number one, it's the optimism. Again, you'll sense that you know Great Gatsby and and The Martian. Like here's a guy who is stuck on Mars with with an antenna through his through his stomach. Um, his, his other crew has left, and obviously it's fiction, but it's phenomenal fiction. And and he doesn't just sit there and say, all right, I'm done for. He, he just says, I can do this. And then there's this concept, and I think at the end of the movie, Matt Damon, um, he, he's teaching a class, right, and right, someone asks him, right, right. and he says, look, just do the math. Like, you're going to have a lot of problems in life, but just do the math. And And I think the last, Year and a half here. A lot of times we've had to just do the math. Like, you know what? We need to clean the air in our buildings. Let's just do the math. Figure it out, Figure Figure out it well. what we have to do. We need more masks. Let's just do the math. Every factory in China had to be shut down overnight. We didn't, we had no warning. We had 40,000 people. They had to shut down every factory. Just do the math. Just power forward, do the analysis, integrate what you know make your decisions just do the math and and that that is a phenomenal uplifting movie whenever i'm feeling a little bit down i'll watch the martian quite the
0: analogy too To you could almost rename that the amphenolian exhibits you could a lot of the, the same exhibits a lot of the same characteristics well, maybe and we can
1: get matt maybe we can get matt damon but we have captain amphenol ah. <laughs> yeah
0: i've heard of him Well, listen, Adam, I'm honored that you agreed to do this again today for the 100th episode. I can't thank you enough for not only being a huge supporter of this, but for agreeing to do it so many times as well. So thank you again for for doing this.
1: Well, and Chris, it's I who should thank you for taking that initiative just two years ago and creating something for our company that has been of tremendous, tremendous value. And I look forward, you know, if you want me to do episode 200 or 150, you know, just give me a call. Thanks so much, Chris.